I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. So this is Netta from Giro and you are at Rebel Radio. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up? What up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Tina Butterwolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh-huh. Rebel Radio is going down. Would you say Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. Hey, welcome back to Rebel Radio. As you know, on this show, we have entrepreneurs of all different types who are creating culture, whether it's music or fashion or art, you name it. Well, today we have a special guest. My man, Netta Shaggy, is the founder of Giro Luggage. It's a startup luggage brand that um, was dominating on Kickstarter. They, they raised over $4 million. I bought a bag. The bags are incredible. They're they're totally different from what you see in your traditional luggage store. The bag's got its own app, if you can imagine that. And there's a, there's all kind of cool stuff they're doing. Really um, building a design focused company. That is gonna tell us some of his lessons as a as an entrepreneur and what it means to be design focused. That it's not just about graphics and the way things look, but it's about how you make decisions, how you allocate resources. Um, this dude started, he launched the company 11 years ago, and it took him until now to release his first product. And so he's going to talk us through some of the painstaking work that he's done, challenging himself, building his team, all kind of great stories coming up on Rebel Radio from Netta Shaggy. But first, our EDM.com track of the week. Here we go.
thanks to our friends at EDM.com. That was our track of the week. That was Ronzel and RPM, if you can say that. Maybe it's supposed to be RPM, but they don't spell it that way. Uh, the track's called Come Back Home. I liked it. I hope you did too. If you do, check out soundcloud.com slash deephouse for more just like that. And now let's get into the interview. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm excited to have you on. I've been following Jiro um, since, you know, Ken Hertz is an old friend of mine. And um, I saw, and I, he's probably the, the biggest influence on me in Kickstarter. And so, you know, I've backed a dozen or so Kickstarters and, and a big chunk of them have come from Ken. Mm -hmm. Just things I've seen him. So yeah, that's, he just sends all over. Well, I get, <laughs> not, you know, I get the updates from Kickstarter that says your friend Ken just backed a project. Yeah. And I end up backing a lot of those. Um, I'm sure a lot of people do, knowing Ken. And so, um, so you know, I, I ordered my Jiro uh, early on and, and loving it. I've taken it on a few trips now and uh, gets a lot of attention with the blue wheels and just a, you know, interesting design. And so, you know, I'm, I'm excited to learn kind of how we've got to this point and where we're going from here. And then also, you know, as I was, I was talking with somebody about this sort of new genre of what I would call like, you know, geek fashion. I don't know if that's necessarily the appropriate term, but like, but uh, fashion brands, cultural brands for a very tech aware, uh, tech involved consumer, which I think, you know, there's some something fundamental, which I would sort of loosely put you guys in that category and you could disagree with me if you want. Um, but I think there's this emerging genre of, of fashion and culture that's very tech centric. And I, I'm, I'm fascinated with that overall. Um, no, so welcome. I, I absolutely that's a long way of saying welcome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, with with the last topic, I, I absolutely agree. I think that the um, tacky fashion um, has been evolved because of a great need of utility and the also the ability to explore that utility and to categorize everything before you actually purchase. Sure. So people basically through crowdfunding platforms like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and others, uh, but also through Amazon and um, other mm -hmm. engines um, can get a lot of uh, review, feedback, and intelligence prior the purchase yeah. and, and understand exactly what they want or they need before they even, you know, before they inquiring about anything. Um, so it's kind of dissolving into their lives. There's something that enough people from their clothes or uh, further environment are dealing with and mm -hmm. coming into the radar of that community. Yeah, uh, they're starting to um, to develop an interest in that. So I think it's it's a different way of people to approach that um, that field. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I, I think about my own behavior, and it's like everything is a much more considered purchase than it used to be because the ease of researching and the, the number of options available that, you know, you buy a pair of socks online and there's like thousands of choices. Whereas in, 
before, you would have just walked into the store, seen them, grabbed them, and not even thought about it. Yeah, I think we're, we've made a long way um, since there was only a family doctor that did a lot of things. And now in order to do something, you know, yeah. uh, to recognize, we need to go to ten, 10 different doctors. So yeah. the entire world is being very specific. Yeah. Absolutely. So also the consumer goods and uh, whatever we do, we have a very specific um, sign-oriented mm-hmm. uh, consumer product that we can look for for the best performance um, yeah. that we can either feel comfortable with or identify with. Yeah. So take us back to the beginning um, because you're, you're not only uh, founder or CEO, but you're the designer behind, behind Jiro, right? Correct. Um, and so I'm interested in kind of how you got started as a designer. And can you can you think of the first time you sort of fell in love with design? Well, I think that was when I was really young, like five or six, when mm. I just discover the ability to express myself through drawings and sketching. Okay. Um, I'm also, I come from a family of engineers Mm. and business people and, uh, art teachers. Yeah. So, yeah. So that combination kind of led me to understand that first you can, um, imagine and draw, draw down on a piece of paper, your thoughts. Yeah. And then you can communicate and translate it to other people. And once it's, it's there, that's, thought or or ideas is there you can share it with other people mm-hmm. it's basically a tool to deliver ideas cool um and on a later stage when i started my my own journey as an entrepreneur i had to also translate the, everything into business models right so to knock down more uh ideas into physical performance ideas all right so going back to the design thing yeah um so I, I started, basically I was always attached to the, to the artistic side, but uh, not just to art as an expression, but to utilize um, stuff. Can you think of a product or something early on that, that kind of impacted you? Well, I think the, the first one, I was always fascinated by aviation. Mm. I mean, how plane flies and how this thing is going up to the air, there's yeah. a massive steel bird. Yeah. Um, and uh, space, and I was always drawn to see how things are leaking from aviation to other, um, interesting other topics in life, like um, like into the car industry, and then to home um, accessories and mm-hmm. to tiny things. Um, and I think one of the most I had two in my two products in my childhood that basically affected me the most. One was Lego, yeah. technical Lego, yeah. where I had um, I would get the entire kit and just not even looking at the instructions, just throw it to wow. the big pile of Lego that I already had and yeah. just building bigger and more complicated things with That's the cool. technical Lego. Yeah. So I I love the idea that I have building blocks and with those building blocks, you know, it's like DNA, it's like protein. Mm-hmm. You can just build different types of combination, but create different things. So uh, by the age of, I think, seven or eight, I always sent to Denmark all kind of pictures and photos of new designs of engines and uh, cars. And I did a lot of, you know, 
airplanes that or helicopters that everything is simultaneously working the yeah. wheels are folding and you just you know um using one lever and everything works from there uh so this one one thing and the other thing that i love is rollerblading mm. i mean the combination of uh high high speed retaining wheels um movement and actually it was just the beginning of the entire ergonomics of, mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. um so i was i was fascinated by the way they are constructing that uh to endure you know how do you jump with it yeah how do you roll with it how you stop um the the and i started to improve it mm-hmm. so i took out my wheels i applied different bearings wow I started to cut the wheels in all kind of forms to see how it feels. So uh, basically to re-engineer my old good rollerblades. That's cool. That's so cool. You know, it's funny you mentioned Lego. Like, and now, I, you know, I have a seven-year-old son who's, um, we're knee-deep in Legos. And, uh, a Lego and, addict. Yeah, for sure. And I've, and I've done a little bit of work with the company as well. And but But I find, you know, there's so much stuff now that we buy that, like, comes from different parts of the world. The instructions are usually terrible. Uh, or I should say they're hard to understand often, and, and often the product doesn't work the way that's printed in the booklet for so many different products. And, you know, and I'm amazed um, at with Lego at the simplicity. Everything works. Everything fits together the way it's supposed to. You can follow the directions without, there's no words. Right, so across languages, you know, you don't need to know how to read to uh, to follow Lego instructions and build this amazing stuff. And the, I think it's the simplicity and the attention to detail that they have is it's unlike anyone that I've seen. I I totally agree. I think that um, this is something that is inherent in the culture of the origin of Lego, which yeah. is uh, Denmark. Sure. And in regards to the things that you've mentioned, that it's an uh, international language without the actual words, just uh, iconography and the ability to, um, to communicate any kind of instructions, the simplicity, the simplicity and the attention to details, um, I think this is something that resembles the Scandinavian mm-hmm. area mm-hmm. Uh, very, very clearly. Um, when I was in my design studies, I deliberately, we had the opportunity to go for a student, a student exchange program oh, cool. somewhere abroad. On my third year, uh, so a lot of people chose like uh, places like... Um, Germany and India and places that are known for industrial design. Mm-hmm. I mean, Italy, of course, Milan mm-hmm. and those places. I chose Finland because of the reasons that you just said. I mean, yeah. I admire and I am a great observer about yeah. um, everything that relates to the Scandinavian design, about the simplicity and so the, cool. um, the clean lines and the clean design, um, very efficient, very mm-hmm. correct. And because there's so little components, so yeah. everything counts. Yeah. Um, so I think that Lego is, is holding the same. I mean, it's treasuring the same language. Absolutely. 
Hey, if you're going to be at South by Southwest, come see Rebel Radio live on stage at the Dropbox Podcast Studio. Shout out to the good folks from Dropbox for bringing us out there. We're going to be at the Parish in Austin, Texas on Sunday, March 12th, all day long. You'll have uh, an exclusive live Rebel Radio episode. I'm not telling you who the guest is yet, but it's going to be a good one. And uh, we'll have some other great podcasts as well. Reply All, Snap Judgment, Design Matters, Homemade Stories, and of course, Rebel Radio. On stage live with Dropbox. Check us out there. So so from, from re-engineering your rollerblades, uh, what was the first paid design work that you did? Well, the first paid design work was on my second year to industrial design studying. I started to work in a startup company uh, that did uh, not more than improving and developing a semen sample for uh, infertility issues. So basically we designed a system uh, that is actually doing like a swimming competition Mm -hmm. between the good cells, uh-huh. sperm cells, and the better sperm cells. Wow. And um, we wanted to create something that will be affordable and more um, simple to use um, worldwide for people with uh, infertility problems. Um, so that was my first. Interesting. That doesn't seem like, um, you know, I know that, we know that design isn't everything, but that doesn't seem like something that needs design. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know in the exactly way that we think what of saying. Furniture or clothing or... Yeah, well... Um, or buildings or... In part of the industrial design, uh, the industrial design is something that we don't necessarily understand that it's in every uh, corner of our lives. Yeah. I mean from a fork that we're holding mm-hmm. and up to the car that we're driving and the seat that we're sitting in a plane or a train. I mean, there is ergonomics and design because eventually it's made of material. Somebody had to give a form and a function and a price right. for the creating of those materials. Yeah. And it gets into a bigger equation of the entire financial model of whatever company is manufacturing sure. that. Yeah. Are um, you like I am? Like, it, it drives me crazy when I find something, a airplane seat or whatever, that's just poorly designed in such an obvious way. Like, I don't know, I was in a hotel not too long ago in New York and they like, they put a bed in the room that was just way too big for the room and you couldn't get around it and I was constantly banging my leg. And I just thought like, no one entered this room when they were designing it. They, no one actually thought about how it's going to be used. Does that, does that kind of thing bother you? I imagine that you catch that probably more than I do. Yeah, well, as perfectionist, I guess you're you're the same. Uh, we do have that problem, but I think industrial design versus uh, design of a hotel room is is much deeper in the sure. you know we have to go back much much more in order to understand what they did. Because, for example, um, with a room, I think it's just a horrible right. uh, interior decorator or some. You know, yeah, they just yeah, wanted yeah. to throw a bed inside. They right. didn't think and exactly. You know, Fuck it. Yeah. People are paying. Yeah. Uh, but in regards to a plane seat, for example, this is something that I also actually my, my graduation project was a, um, a interchangeable airline seat for yeah. um, 
for uh, long um, long distance flights. I don't know how you call it, but cool. ergonomic seat that can actually allows you to change the sitting position during long flights. Mm. Um, it has a lot of health issues yeah, um, sure. attached to that and yeah. um, marketing issues. So there is the decision-making process in those companies is going way back to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. And no one wants to come up with a lousy product. But the reason that people are coming back with a lousy product, I guess, is because there's a lot of different influencers doing the decision making that are drawing into that direction mm-hmm. um, also in in Giro I'm I want to make sure that we have to make decisions I mean financial decisions economical sure. decisions but I think that most of the decisions are regard regarding to the usage the usability and the quality of the products um, are still keeping and creating the brand equity mm-hmm. so in in that matter, we have much more say as the designer. Uh, we have much more say leading the brand versus just being dragged and following the needs of the system. So right. it's being, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to um, establish a company. You can establish it from the financial, the purely mm-hmm. financial uh, point of view. There, there's a way from the uh, marketing, but we're starting from the design. So yeah. it's in the middle, it's the core of the company. Yeah. Um, so it's the, the entire process about it, decision-making, the resources, and how much of them you allocate into that, um, that uh, system. Yeah. So how how'd you get to the decision to launch Jiro? Um, you know, I'm curious why this particular challenge, you know, why did you feel that the the luggage world needed your your skills or what what called to you about that and and as well as just the process of becoming an entrepreneur and, and launching a, a brand I'm fascinated by movement motion ergonomics and the ability to change our habits and you know people's um, habits through design through mm-hmm. good design uh, basically it's service I look at this as a service um, and through my experience, my private experiences as a traveler and as a uh, designer, I could I could actually um, I could actually uh, think of ways that can improve not just what are the problem or why I like it or hate it, but yeah. actually if I don't like it, I could change it. Mm-hmm. I had the tools to change it. Yeah. So I started my journey as an entrepreneur uh, by establishing a company, registering uh, patents um, and all the known things, you know, mm-hmm. business plans and starting to raise money. And I was working on that project for several years. And it was, I mean, it moved, but in, in a very... Um, how, how many years? When did, when did that first start? Well, I started that basically in 2005. Oh, I mean, wow creating the ideas yeah. and I had the initial idea and along sure. my studying of the industrial of the industrial designing I I just started to gather tools like CAD designs mm-hmm. and execution tools that I could actually implement and turn my ideas into prototypes and did you know at that point that you were going to launch a brand and was that the was that the vision from the beginning 
not actually the brand, but I wanted to create the luggage, uh-huh. my luggage, okay, a better luggage. Yeah, and then throughout the the course of you know the natural course of things, when you see people, you talk to investors. I met my partner Ken, mm-hmm. and when we first met, we just started a conversation as two people that just met, yeah. and we realized that we're talking the same language about the same vision about the same problems mm. and that we would be two different people working on the same project or two people combining forces and yeah. working on a bigger project that's great that was more than um amazing that in that time yeah still but uh, just sure. to find somebody like you in the other side of the world is, yeah. is just amazing and uh ken brought is is business uh perspective and he brought his uh, marketing abilities mm-hmm. and himself of course um, and he has uh, a lot of ideas I mean um, sometimes too advanced that we can actually fulfill with the current technology that we have but we know that we have this you know this North Star this yeah. beacon that we can uh, look at and and slowly with the progress progression of, of the technological abilities and the financial abilities, to go there mm-hmm. and actually we discovered that it's not that slow it's pretty fast nice um and then together with with the ability to go to the american um market and with the with the ability to start to execute so we started to build a brand so before that it was an idea for a luggage a better luggage and yeah. we already had prototypes and some ip yeah. But together with the financial and with the um, commercial capabilities that Ken brought, mm-hmm. um, and of course the vision, um, it just got into a a massive um, roller coaster that we just uh, started to execute with no time. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Say. So I know you know for all businesses and and I think especially startups, you know the right co-founders the right partner team is so essential that you know that can i think that's one of the biggest decisions that founders have to make is who who are they going to work with i think it's beyond essential i think it's the uh cornerstone for the for the brand because eventually the brand is laid out not just about the you know the values that we want to represent the brand brand is people yeah absolutely i mean and the the um, nature of the people that create the brand is reflecting in so many ways mm-hmm. in the brand itself. Mm-hmm. So by partnering with somebody, and I'm not saying that I was partnering with Ken because he was partnering with me in, sure. the, in, in the same yeah, exact manner. Yeah. Uh, we just find, found ourselves are, uh, like uh, completing forces. So what did you guys do to kind of go through that process together how like how did you both get to the point where you knew that you wanted to be partners oh this is very interesting first um we didn't know that at the beginning i mean it's a matter of uh trust building and relationship building and it's still in progress i mean Mm -hmm. it will always be in progress i think that we're both very dedicated to what we're doing we love what we do I mean, we're passionate about what we're doing. And I think that we just found a great potential in the partnering before we even 
got to understand the nature of each one of what what they bring to the you know to the on to the table to mm-hmm. the party mm-hmm. um and and then we had you know some kind of uh divide and conquer so i was more in the design and the execution and and um the uh, envisioning of the product line yeah. and what are the actual product that we're starting to develop and can started to surround and bring to the people uh, br- bring to the table the right people to um, actually execute that and build the company from scratch okay was there a specific customer in mind when you <clears throat> when you started this um, process did you did you have you know like, Again, some companies, every company starts in a different way. Some start with a like, you know, target market and an unmet need and that kind of thing. Um, how, how did you think about who the customer is? Well, for I think for us it was very easy because we had our first two customers, which right. were Ken yeah. and myself. Yeah. I mean, each one brought a different requirements and uh, needs to, to what the products and uh, brands should be. Yeah. But we all, both of us realized, I mean, we, we knew what kind of problems we're facing. Mm-hmm. And until today, we know that we will not produce a product that we will not be a customer of that product. Mm-hmm. So we're not producing for somebody. We're, sure. manufa- we're designing and creating products for ourselves, for our family, for our friends, and for people that, um, that are like ourselves. Is that, um, so if you were, uh, you know, let's say Jiro becomes huge and uh, you're asked to speak at your, at the college graduation, of, you know, of your college, um, would, is that advice you would give to, to the students that, that they should start businesses making stuff for themselves? Well, I think. When you're your own customer, so you know the needs, but you need a wider circle circle of sure. people to um, to give you feedback, and if it's going to be a commercial product, so mm-hmm. you need to address much more needs than your own needs. Mm-hmm. That's why this is how you capture more um, essential features in yeah. in the process. Uh, but I think the only advice that I could, if I I can give anybody advice, you know, but that I would give uh, people that starting that journey is, I think it's just one, just to start and explore. Mm. I mean, if they are from, we're, we're all built from different materials. I'm not saying there is right or wrong. And mm-hmm. this, you know, there are different people in the world and it's very essential that we'll be different people in the world. If yeah. we're all the same, it will be very boring. Absolutely. And each one is bringing different, different, uh, things to the party but um, I think the most important and also the the recipe for uh, you know I would say for happiness but to get joy from what you're doing is to do the right thing for you and you wouldn't be able to do that if you're not going and exploring mm-hmm. so whether it's just a, a thought an idea just to go and explore and life will you know shape it it's, yeah. it's hard enough. So life will shape it from the other side and you will proceed. Like we don't know what the future um, will, will bring. 
Sure. I mean, but we're, we're just keep trying. Yeah. Um, so you start to sort of blend these two visions, right? And I think, um, you know, my, my understanding of partnership and really any, any business is um, in the right balance of asserting your own point of view and being open to somebody else's, right? And uh, speaking for myself, you know, we usually are somewhat, some degree of wrong in each of those, right? And, and ultimately, hopefully, we've made it, we've gotten close enough to yeah. get us to the right place. Right? Some, some degree. Yeah. So are you, how do you navigate that? Are you conscious of how you make those kind of decisions? Well, it's a very complicated question. Yeah. Because, you know, in every product um, or every idea we, you know, when, when you think of an idea, you think it's the best idea in the world. I mean, we put it out there so you can get an answer from other people. Yes, it's a great idea or yeah. it's not a good idea. And then there are two choices. You either start to convince other people why it's a great idea or you listen to them and you think, okay, maybe there's something, you know, a different perspective that is being uh, injected into your idea. Yeah. What else can you do with it? So I think the equation is always, you know, the golden path is always in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, life is not the extreme points, is is always in the middle. Um, and And I've learned through... A long process with myself and with others how to implement ideas that are not mine mm -hmm. and that are even if i'm not the greatest fan of those i see how they contribute um financially or marketing uh wise to to the general yeah the general um holistic um idea and I need to make sure in whatever we're doing that we're just consistent in keeping the same DNA and that actually building something that is current and holistic. So I'm, I'm open myself, though it's a very vulnerable and, and, and exposure, you know, an exposed stage to be yeah. in. But I mean, if you want to change, if you don't do something, you have to be ready to take the risk. Yeah. And the more you do that, you learn how to mitigate the risk. And even internally, you know, we're talking a lot about internal marketing. I mean, how do you, how do you sell ideas or how do you present ideas to other people within the organization? Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, sometimes they're just not in the bad, in, in, the, in the right day. Sometimes right. they just went out of uh, a very complicated meeting and it's not right. So... It's sensitive, but it's uh, it's logic. Yeah. Um, so there are ways, but I think you have to be in order to do something new. You have to take the risk, even with within the organization. Mm. So how did you? So you launched Jiro through a crowdfunding campaign, which right. which I know was very successful. Um, uh, how did you decide to do that? So why why'd you do that? And give us um, give us some advice on how to how to execute a successful crowdfunding campaign. So we we knew that we want to do this kind of uh, project on on I mean to execute that project and crowdfunding. I mean we need the finance. Mm -hmm. We need the uh, funding in order to 
to create the toolings and pay for the factories and to start to you know, complete development. And crowdfunding was one of the options. Uh, the advantage with crowdfunding is that you are actually um, do two things, actually three things. One, this is a new product. And in a world of when I'm talking about the luggage world, when we're talking about a evolving world that is the configuration of four wheels is, is majoring. Mm -hmm. It's more than 75% are four wheels to come in to invest, to come up and, and present investors um, that we have a great concept visually, uh, but um, with two wheels, um, they will ask so many questions. Why are we going against the trend and against right. the market? And yeah. you can explain from today until you know tomorrow, but it will be very hard to raise the money. Mm -hmm. This is one thing. Second, uh, second, our tooling in order to create such, such kind of wheel for injection molding and for uh, for creating um, a bag which is uh, really revolutionary um, or very expensive because we made a decision that if we're going to create a new bag, we're not going to use any off-the-shelf components like most of the industry mm. is doing. We're going right. to create our own off-the-shelf components. Wow. Uh, that takes a lot of funding and... Um, and industrial capabilities and that again will be very complicated to um, to raise money for yeah I, I mean I think that's fascinating I you know there's so many new brands and products launching every day and you know most of them if you look under the hood they're just sourced products that are basically the same as everyone else with a new feature or a new sometimes just a different logo. Um, and I, I think it's, you know, it's rare and, uh, and you know, hearing you describe it, 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 it's sort of understandable why that happens. That, you know, I imagine it's much harder to go get um, financing to build something when there's these off-the-shelf, you know, components that to maybe some people are just as good. Right. That that was the the, I think one of the critical decisions that we took about that if you want to disrupt an industry, you have to um, stretch the envelope and get right. beyond the boundaries of the existing industry. Otherwise, yeah. you're just in the cycle. Sure. Um, and that that was a critical decision that cost us a lot of money, and mm -hmm. we are you know we had to re-engineer everything from scratch. But it also helped us to. Um, to identify and create a new segment in luggage that I can say that well, so far so good, but but we could, you know, people can only buy what they can find online or in stores. Sure. People cannot cannot, you know, ask for something they're not aware of. Right. So you have to show them sometime, yeah. you know, some kind of um, of a, a different products in order to understand if they want it or not. And that was also the the reason why we went to Kickstarter because we didn't know if the concept is good enough to be mm. mass marketed. Mm -hmm. And uh, the main problem on crowdfunding, and this is something that I can say here about crowdfunding, is that a lot of people say, okay, we just get a product, put it on Kickstarter or Indiegogo and see how it goes. But that's not the that's not reality because you have to work very hard 
in order to drive enough eyeballs mm-hmm. and to know statistically if your product is successful or not successful because I mean especially if it's not success it's if it's not successful because you the product itself is not successful or right. you just didn't drive enough eyeballs to your project yeah so we wanted to make sure during the project that we're driving enough traction for people to either want it or not want it mm-hmm but not to fail because we didn't do enough in order to publish or market the project. Well, that's kind of what I love about crowdfunding is that, um, you know, it turns the traditional model on its head where you're, you're essentially you're doing your marketing or at least a good chunk of it up front. Um, and, I, you know, I think what we're talking about is the, you know, I've, I've always said the old paradigm was that making stuff and distributing stuff was very difficult. And... And marketing was easy if you had the money. And now it's the exact opposite. That make, making stuff, again, you, can, you could have bought all the components on Alibaba and spent an afternoon assembling them and had a new bag, you know, and market same day. Now it wouldn't have been your vision. But, but people do that all the time, right? But marketing, getting enough eyeballs and enough people to pay attention and care is, is extremely difficult. So I love the model of putting that up front um, as opposed to waiting until you've put a product on market and then then trying to figure all that out. Well, I agree in in most of the things, I'll tell you. No, um, feel, feel free to disagree. <laughs> um, well, I love what I love about Kickstarter and those platforms is that they actually allowing entrepreneurs and regular people to go and create uh, new things that actually promote um, the world, but are not coming from a well-financed uh, background. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is amazing. I mean, and th- <coughs> it's not only amazing about the fact that they are doing it, um, is that the fact that they created um, a real system and entire ecosystem like the like um, Apple are making iPhones, but there is an entire ecosystem about iPhone cases and skins right. and that yeah. are being manufactured. So it it draws another industry. Yeah. Um, so and, and this I I just admire the people in on in Kickstarter that founded this kind of platform and they also put that in a in its the right legal phase mm-hmm. where this is the only place in the world where entrepreneurs can actually get a pre order cash without having any inventory right. or obligation, like a real legal obligation to get the product done. No, actually, that's not true. They have to get the product done, but, but they have but a enough credit from, yeah. from, the, from the backers to, uh, to go and fulfill the product with, uh, with uh, sufficient time and, let's say, with tolerance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is one thing. Um, in regards to the marketing... I think that marketing is the queen mother of any industry. I mean, even if the product is great, um, if I had to put this in percentage, I would say 5%. Sure. I mean, marketing, whether it's just a a Kickstarter project of marketing a product before it's even existed or uh, an existing product, marketing has to go way beyond the system, yeah. get the feedback, yeah. and tell everybody back what what um, everybody is saying about the product. Sure. Uh, so anyway, I think whether you have a crowd, 
whether you have a crowdfunding product or project before you have the product themselves or whether you're already um, up and running company, you have to invest a lot of resources in marketing. Yeah, I was saying something. I agree with you. What I was saying was, was like, you know, when I grew up, there was uh, Samsonite commercials on TV. There was the, the gorilla in oh, the yeah. airport. Famous gorilla. Right? Like, and that, I mean, that was a great commercial, but that was, an, my point is, back then, that was an easy job. Right? Like, if, if they had the funding and the, the, you know, infrastructure to make a bag and get it into stores, it was one commercial, and they just spent a bunch of money against that. And that's those flew off the shelves, right? It, it became such a brand ingrained. It, it became the luggage brand for an entire mass market, you know, entire generation. That's an incredibly easy job compared to launching a brand today, whether it's on Kickstarter or not, right? And so I agree with you. Now that it, it, it's it's all going to come down to marketing. And so to that, you know, I'm interested in how you thought about the brand landscape, right? When you know we've got Samsonite, we've got Toomey, we've got Remoa, we've got these, um, you know, all of the big designers, you know, Louis Vuitton and, and whoever else have their luggage lines. Um, so, you know, how much did you think about that landscape and the competitive environment and sort of how you're entering that world and trying to build, build something in that, in that framework? Well, we're constantly discussing and uh, monitoring that. This is one of the key issues that we're dealing with because um, both Ken and I are very aware of our need and ability to build a brand in the um, in the millennial era, not just in in. in you know, in the 30s and the 40s and the 70s right. of, of the last century. Yeah. Um, and it's totally different. I mean, facing forward to the millennials and also to the baby boomers that will, um, they are big buyers of, uh, you know, they're the, the, uh, upon retirement. Mm-hmm. And uh, they all travel. So so we need to find the, the right we need to find the right balance of how do you build a brand with the right economics that can compete with the right, the old-fashioned long-term brands that been established mm-hmm. 100 years ago and um, now are being acquired in tremendous numbers. Um, and how do you... Um, navigate yourself into the new needs that are actually emerging and the models that we are thinking and and talking about is basically that we are identifying new needs and therefore for travelers for the millennials for um, Mm -hmm. you know we're all changed our habits in the last 10 years about how the way we travel yeah I mean from the way we buy airline tickets or mm-hmm. train tickets and what do we pack because the entire technology of, of textile has been right. changed totally I mean we need to take less clothes and to to uh, wash them in a different way because mm-hmm. it's just different textile mm-hmm. so there's a huge effect on that and we're looking on every little detail in in the holistic experience of traveling and 
building the brand with with um, the answer to the emerging needs of the new travelers. Hey, if you're enjoying this one, check out my man Ryan Babenzian, another great startup, uh, greats brand sneakers. He's doing amazing things out of Brooklyn, challenging the conventions of the sneaker industry. That's back in the Rebel Radio archive, so look on iTunes or SoundCloud and go back and find my interview with Ryan Babenzian. But first, finish up right now with Neta Shaggy. I'm curious, you know, as you described that, was there a, are there brands in other industries that you look to as models? Well, I think the most interesting um, in regards to consumer, uh, the way people buy and the way people actually connect to their products. I think we're looking in three uh, different industries. I think the iPhone, the iPhone, um, Apple's iPhone mm -hmm. that changed the entire industry of phones, you know, with the touch screens from the iPhone 3 to the iPhone 7 Plus um, that actually created an a whole new world of sure. apps and um, sub The other one is Dyson that completely changed the industry through industrial design and the cyclone technology of yeah. uh, moving, removing the dust. Uh, of course, Tesla that um, started with uh, electric cars but marketed in a different way. And, yeah. and um, I think those industries that identified um, and created new segment of users but actually um, identified the brand from any existing brand is the the models that we're looking at so those are great and and you know i'm glad you said tesla because um i was talking to an executive from a competing automaker recently one of the other kind of luxury automakers who said you know what he admired about tesla was the relationship they built with their customers. And he said, you know, this, this is a 100-year-old car maker talking who said, you know, if we put out a car with as many flaws as, as the Tesla has, we'd be out of business. Our customers absolutely would not stand for it. And he wasn't, you know, he wasn't calling Tesla a bad car, but he was saying that it's, it's part of its DNA is these imperfections that evolve over time and that, that it, you know, it's designed to get better as it goes and as the company learns and that and what he was amazed by is that the customer base was willing to take that journey with them the tolerance of the customers of the new customers Absolutely. versus if if tesla was uh, not a let's say a young right. car manufacturer Absolutely. It was a hundred years old manufacturer they wouldn't tolerate that right and i think apple's done the same thing and and, and i think it's a, it's a fundamentally different type of relationship to have with a customer yeah i think that Finding the right partner is one thing, but maintaining 30 years of marriage is much more complicated. Absolutely. And in order to do that, um, the most important thing about um, maintenance of a relationship is first having a relationship, yeah. not just, you know, um, get and forget. Right. But also, what do you bring? Well, how do you constantly renewing and um, what do you... What new things are you bringing in order to fuel again and again this kind of relationship? And I think that when it comes to people, it's the same thing about the relationship of um, 
of customers and the brands they are customers of. Mm -hmm. um, so I think um, Jira's slogan is go together. And, and we started as cool. a crowdfunding um, campaign, yeah. knowing that we want to grow to uh, what we are imagining. But um, we know that this community that we created um, and supported us at the beginning, these are our first believers and customers, mm -hmm. and these are basically the most important people in our equation. Sure. Um, and and in the future, we will just, uh, right now, you know, as any brand, we have the birth labors, mm -hmm. and we're not reaching all the people in the, right. in the right time, which, of course, we're, we're very sorry, and we're doing our best, and we are doing a lot of... Uh, a lot of we're allocating a lot of resources that um, that to turn back to the um, to the human resources, which I believe this you know it's about people. It's mm -hmm. it's about it's it's not about customers. It's right. people doing things for other people. Yeah. So I, I think that the communication with the brand and the language and the tone and the um, the amount of people uh, the amount of times that you're actually can communicate um, this is the most important mm -hmm. what what skills have you have you drawn on that maybe you didn't expect to when you were first starting um, I think that I learned that I have a a very strong intuition about things mm. I mean about something that is can work or can't work, I don't always find the words or the logic why it is like this. But I, I tell a lot of people I just feel it in my bones. Yeah. Uh, but during the time, I think that what I was uh, I learned and I am I'm still, you know, struggling and learning is to let it let go mm. from a lot of things, mm -hmm. and. Um, the more I let go, I get more free. And when I get more free, I get also more, you know, more um, open to to explore and to get more ideas. And I think that it's an it's a constant um, evolving issue about um, about developing of a business sure. to let go things and to be open to get more things in. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what do you think is the biggest mistake you've made so far? The biggest mistake I made so far. It's it's a combination of a lot of uh, wishful thinking versus execution versus how do you market and where do you do that? I think I don't I don't think it's a big mistake, but I think we are leaving a lot of. Um, well, there are a few. I think in terms of the crowdfunding that we opened the campaign into um, into the entire world mm. instead of just limit it into several countries that we uh. knew that we can do that. that we, we end up selling and um, sending products into 73 countries. Wow. Which has, with the batteries and with the trackers and with the uh, luggage, different regulations and different yeah. customs orders. Yeah. Um, the logistic 
the logistic operation behind the project is just um, huge, and and that was it was um, we we had allocated a lot of resources, even mm-hmm. more than we anticipated before. I think in terms of uh, running a business and a company, I think that I had to get more people, more professional people in the right time mm. uh, faster to the system. I think that we had to delegate more. I think that um, I had to get more executives um, to be ready to evolve in a faster way that we could we, we can evolve. But it's all good. good. We are learning yeah. and um, yeah, sure. everything is under control. Nice. So, and as, as a, I hope you agree or, or you'll disagree, but, um, but I assume as a, as a creative person as well as an entrepreneur, that just managing your own energy is extremely important. Oh, it's beyond important. It's a very uh, complicated exercise. So what do you do? Give us... Give us a couple of secrets of how you how you keep your energy high. Well, from my nature, I'm very optimistic. Okay. Um, and a little bit naive, so um, I think That's it's, a good it's yeah, it's it's yeah. always good. I mean, if you're like that, it's good. Yeah. But But I think the optimism is good. Um, what I've learned is that there are very high highs and extremely low lows. Mm. And in order to maintain yourself, your heart, your brain, your logic, and your ability to um, deal with a lot of different people, and um, um, from contractors and to you know mm-hmm. um, cultures, um, you really have to adjust yourself into a certain level of um, manners. So, not get excited. Look back on things, you know. Yeah. get and take the right perspective. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to take myself out of situation and look in other people that are involved in a situation, look through their eyes and to see what kind of um, perspective they have. I mean, I'm also Libra, so I always do it by nature. But um, So this is one thing. And the other thing is that um, I've learned to appreciate the... Uh, the power of a company. I mean that when I'm not successful in something, I would go to the to uh, a different person in the company that is good at this, and I will either you know, ask them to do that or just ask for their advice, or we'll do it together. But mm-hmm. I've learned that from being an individual entrepreneur, um, the 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 power of doing things together and rely on other people and trust other people is more than critical for the success of a business. That's good. Okay, I have a little speed round uh, before we wrap up that I want to go through with you. Um, So, you know, we talked about what advice you'd give to uh, other students. Let's go back and give one piece of advice to yourself when you were, say, 18, starting out. Um, what, What would you tell yourself? Well, it's so complicated because I wouldn't know what I could do different. But I think the most, the most important is to partner with the right people mm-hmm. in order to uh, get my my best self. Yeah. What talent do you always wish you had more of? Patience. Um, if you were um, going to design something besides luggage. Like unrelated to to this 
journey? What, what else would you want to design? Probably mass transportation. Oh, okay. Cool. We need that. Yeah, we will get there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so if I worked at Jiro, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Mm, we have to get it done. Who would you be most excited to learn as a fan of, of your work? Actually, I would be very happy to learn that um, my partner, <laughs> Ken Hertz, will be a fan because uh, okay. we're both perfectionists and, and uh, you know, it's very, very hard to, to get to a place where we're happy about what we do, yeah. uh, both ourselves. But um, I'll tell you the truth about a fan of my work. I'm most happy and it happened to us several times already just to find a random person that we don't know mm. not know who we are asking about the bag in an airport happy about the bag oh cool yeah that's cool um what's the last great book you read so a book that i was fascinated about it was a book about sam walton oh yeah how he started walmart yeah. When I first discovered the um, American culture of the, you know, the consumer goods. Yeah. And, um, and I wanted to understand how this kind of monsters are being built and what it started. So I just got a, several books about Sam Walton. Cool. How do you stay in touch with uh, what's happening in design specifically? Or do Same you, or with, do you... with Facebook yeah. and uh, design sites. I just follow and I see, I think, visually, I see about hundreds, if not thousands, of design, um, design, designs, gadgets, and um, and um, innovation features every week. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Um, what movie do you think you've seen the most? Um, probably the most many times yeah. I mean probably Ratatouille by Walt Disney cool I just love the way Paris is Paris and the food are being uh -huh. reflected in this movie I think it's so delicate it's uh, it's brilliant so cool. nice thank you man this is great thank you I've loved hearing the journey we'll definitely be following looking for the new um, new products as they come I'm excited to see the brand evolve and and uh, so for anyone listening, Jiro.com, yeah? And, and where, where did we find you on social? It's uh, Jiro Travel. Um, but yeah, loved hearing the story and, and can't wait to see what's next. Great. Awesome. All right, that's a wrap. I hope you liked it. I know I did. I learned a lot about design, about Kickstarter, about so many things related to launching a, an interesting company. Um, make sure you hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, anywhere you can think of. We're at Rebel Radio Net. And uh, most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace. <laughs>